You know, we've been starting a series. We're going to continue it. And the last couple of weeks, we've been preparing. We're going to talk about preparation. But we've been preparing at our home. And a couple little girls and their brother, unbeknownst to him, has been preparing too. Been checking days off, calendars. We've been thinking about, oh man, only so many more days until we get to go up to Nani and Papa's house. Or is Jack's going to call granddad? That's kind of a family tradition. Um, so that conversation's been going on and it's been pretty exciting. We, we talk and a little FaceTime and the girls would call every so often and let us know that only a couple more days we're going to be there. Which meant that Sherry would drive down and pick up the three and then head back home. What should take three hours took about eight or nine, or but who's counting? Um, you know, they were doing important things like stopping and eating and changing a diaper or two and doing all this stuff that it takes to get home. I miss that. Some of it probably for the better, um, but they showed up and then last night, uh, we'd already talked. There, there had to be some more, so we had to prepare for some mores. Um, it was going to be outside, but the rain kept us in, so we had to change some things. And what ended up being an outdoor fire uh, wasn't going to work, so the fireplace got lit and stoked, and that was going, and we did some mores. Those were really good, by the way. And, um, oh, we were going to camp out. So the tent got set up in the living room, so we still camped out, and... Uh, Computers were, you know, going and stories were being told and blew up the mattresses and put them in the sleeping bag, which was, you know, that was great times. Um, and food, you know, mommy's going to be kind of jealous because they got to choose the meal last night. Let's have breakfast for dinner. So we did that and all these exciting things. And I realized that's really kind of what this habit's all about. It is just exciting. And it should be. Amen. Can, I, can we leave now? <laughs> That's enough. That was enough. Let's pray. Creator God, may we each be reminded that even beyond the creation of the universe and life as we know it, you are intent on recreation. Not only of your planet, Your desire is for each and every soul to be transformed. So in your great love and through your sovereignty, knowing we are prone to forget, you gave the gift of Sabbath, embedding a divine rhythm that weekly we should stop and rest. And rest from all our concerns. All of them. Amen. I believe that is, in a nutshell, what the next six weeks is all about. Today we're going to explore the why and the how we can prepare and encourage each of us to enter into this practice of resting. Resting from work, whether that's schoolwork or whether it's job, or maybe it's just acquiring things. Some of us work pretty hard at that. We need rest. Our soul needs rest. 
How badly do we need the rest? Well, these so-called labor devices that we carry around, called smartphones or tablets, now we can text, we can email, we can Instagram. You see, we carry this electronic umbilical cord on us. And we stay connected to jobs. We stay connected to our lives, and the crazy thing is to almost everyone else's lives we come in contact with on social media. And we keep connected with this crazy thing we stick in our pockets or we have in our laps and we play with or do important things with. A recent study shows that 75% of us sleep with that right next to us. And of that group, 95% pick it up immediately upon awaking. How bad do we need rest? The U.S. Census taken and looked and asked the question, how do we vacation? 37% of the U.S. takes seven days or fewer a vacation a year. Less than 14% takes over two weeks. More than 20% of that group stays connected to the office each and every day. And when we are off or out, we go. We go to movies, we go to dinner, we go to the museum, we go shopping. Or we can stay home and do that. And then watch Netflix. Or we go out. And we hike, we bike, we four-wheeler, we boat, we go to the gym, we go to church. And when we're done, we're still not done. We can't get it all finished. Hey, even if we go to the local coffee shops, filling our vente cup to the brim with multiple shots of espresso we still feel as if we're always just a little behind. There's a busyness that goes beyond and it settles deep, deep within each of our souls. Our first slide is a quote from Corey Timboom. She says this, if the devil can't make us bad, he will make us busy. even in the church. There's so much truth in that thought. Busy. Bad. You know, they're not that far apart. They have the same effect. They cut us off from the awareness and the connection to the Spirit of God and the life that He has and wants for each of us. To justify our full throttle, pedal to the metal, crazed life, even as churchgoers. You may have heard this saying. I'm sure it justifies it, doesn't it? The devil, he never takes a day off. You know, I thought about that a little bit and then I realized the devil, he loses. I read the end of the book. He doesn't win. So in this counterculture...
the way of Jesus, does he have a practice? Does he have an antidote to our busyness? Absolutely. It's called Sabbath. The very word means to stop. Sabbat, to stop, to pause. For we see it's our spirit that needs rest. We need rest fullness. We tend to usually run around with restlessness. So let's follow this biblical practice, the rhythm of it, from its origins. We're going to read a few verses from Genesis. It's a good place to start. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there's a rhythm, and we're going to talk about that as we continue on. Then it goes on in verse 5. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Let's go on to verse 37. 31, I guess, yes. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Let's bring up that next one. So God made the seventh day. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from his work. All his work that he had done in creation. We're going to come back to this verse. But I don't know if you've noticed... God rested. Was he tired? It says God rested. Tell me about your week. Oh, man. Woohoo! Man, it was busy. Oh, I, I had a ton of emails. God rested. You know, the boss was after me. I worked and worked. And, oh, it was tough. It said God rested. Yeah, but you don't understand. I had kids and then the grandkids and then Mark and all this stuff. I mean, it was, now that's pretty big. It says God rested. That's a fascinating thought. And we in America say we don't want to rest. We've got too many things to do. God made Andromeda. What did you do this week? <laughs> God rested. You know, but I'm a doer. And maybe more importantly, I'm, I'm not legalistic. I, I'm not into that law thing. I don't do that well. God rested. Wow. After six days of creation, he rested. And what was my one shining moment? He ceased. He stopped. He finished. No, he wasn't tired. 
Rather, the word means he delighted. It's fall. It's, it's like my most favorite time of the year. Less the rain all the time. I heard that it's rained a lot, like twice as much as it usually does in a year. And we're not through yet. But this time of year, the colors are amazing. The cooler weather. You set out fall arrangements. You buy something with pumpkin spice. And you just sit back and relax and delight. That's what that means. He delighted. And then said it is very good. Can we go back to 3-2? I think is the one I want. It reads differently. It's, it's kind of interesting. So God blesses them that they have made it holy because he rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let's go to the next one, I think, maybe. We may go, yes, this is the one I wanted. Genesis 2-2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. Did you read that? What did he do on the seventh day? They say this is a really, really close translation to the actual text. He finished his work. And rabbi and scholars have realized he worked on the seventh day. He finished his work on the seventh day. So what did he do? It's kind of a fascination because we would say, and, and I think probably rightly so, we got to stop on Friday, man. It's done. Nothing happens. But as I studied and listened and looked at other things, he finished his work. And he rested from all his work that he had done. He did something, and I'm going to mess this word up, Manua. Let's go to that, Manua. It is a joyful or peaceful party in the original text. He created that. He made it. Why would he do that? He wanted us to experience it. So he made something special. We actually say he blessed it the day. He made it holy. This is what he was talking about. To stop. It's a day where we follow God's example to delight in what he had created. And we can delight in our place in it. And more importantly, we can delight in God himself. He made this thing. And we... Ignore it at our own peril. What brings God great delight, I think, is what we should focus on. And in turn, what fills our soul? I think it may be his son, S-O-N, shine. Maybe praising him. Maybe a song. Maybe walking in nature. 
time with family. This weekend it'll be with our grandkids. Or maybe close friends. Maybe it's a simple meal. This time of year I like apples and popcorn. Maybe it's a bonfire this evening. It's memories of when and it's looking forward to. It's celebrating all that is beautiful, all that is right, all that is good. I want us to notice that God created a rhythm, a seven-day week. Six days we are to work, and maybe some should have that as a sermon one day, but that's another talk. And the seventh was a day to rest. Today, all mankind, the world over, work on a weekly cycle. Not just Judeo-Christian, the entire world over. 1793, French Revolution. Some of you may have been there. I don't think all of us, but a couple possibly. They tried forcing a 10-day work week. They wanted to break away from that whole concept of religion. We will have a 10-day work week. You want to know how it went? Suicide went through the roof. Illness was pandemic. Happiness and productivity plummeted. The experiment was stopped and went back to a seven-day week. Researchers tell us now that between 55 and 90 hours of work Productivity goes up so small we can't tell the difference between 55 hours worth of work in a week versus 90 hours of work in a week. It's kind of fascinating. Oh, by the way, 55 hours is roughly six days. We are built and designed to work in a rhythm. And yet we live in a world that says go, go, go. From the internet which I've been told goes 24-7. Binge watching. Work, church, we go. And we go. And we're wound tight and we keep going. But we are not machines. We are humans. We are made with a soul and designed to sabbat. We've been created to rest. It has been placed in our very DNA. The fabric of the universe is set up on it. History tells of those who crossed the Oregon Trail. Those who took Sabbath off are said to have made it there before those who didn't. Heard of blue zones? Blue zones where people live a long time. There's one in California near Loma Linda. And in it there are Adventists. Lots of them. The test shows that they're happier than average Americans. Research suggests it's not their diet. If you've been to a potluck, you'd have to agree. 
That's another topic. <laughs> but they believe it's their rest. Do you know that it contributes to an average lifespan that is 11 years longer than the average Americans? So one researcher counted up the Sabbaths in an average lifespan. He came up with an 11-year number. Would suggest that it's added to the end of the life. What about if you won't Sabbath or stop? Won't rest. And that is stopping from work, stopping from play, or whatever we do. What if we don't stop? We suffer the consequences. Research says that we burn out. Not that anybody here has ever done that. We could have high blood pressure, anxiety, poor health, brain fog. People who talk about go, go, go often talk about broken relationships, doubt, and not nearly enough time to get it all done. We can't fight the Sabbath rhythm any more than we can fight gravity. It just is. We choose to ignore it, and we can, we can go against it. We go against the design, his design. But we will stop. It may be possible illness or often crises. So we can either delight and welcome the Sabbath. Or we can fight. One scholar says if you push against the grain of life in the universe, you will get splinters. How could this be? You're reading into things. You're making stuff up, you might say. We could look at it, though. It says God blessed it. There's three things he blesses. In verse 22, he blesses animals. Verse 28, he blesses people. Second chapter, verse 3, he blesses the Sabbath. The first two, he says, be fruitful and multiply. We have to believe that the third is like it. He declares and commands life to come forth, to fill the land and the sea and the air. And I believe our very soul is like that. He blesses it. He blesses it through a day. I'll try and get this done quicker, okay? Sorry. We are commanded to work, but even if we love it, by Friday, we are often worn out. We're done. We're ready to stop. Rest fulfills us. It re-energizes, it refocuses us, gives us optimism. 
It restores our creativity. And it reminds us spiritually that our rest is also to include the soul. It redeems our soul. For you see, we cannot do enough good works to earn our salvation. So rest in him is even all the more important. Rest is life-giving. Why? It is more than just a day. It has been blessed. He made it holy. The first time holy is mentioned is here. And what was it that he made holy? Time. Fascinating that the gods and the goddesses in the ancient times were found in places. They were found in space. They were found in temples. They were found on mountains. The higher you got, the closer you were to the gods. But Yahweh instead creates time, a holy day. I love the way Abraham Joshua Heschel, I believe, puts it. Sabbaths are our holy cathedrals. Architecture in time. That's beautiful. He created a time, a space for us to be. Instead of entering into the great cathedrals, we've got a few pictures of those. Amazing, isn't it? Even more glorious than that is time. Maybe nature, a walk. But it's a time with God, the creator, who created the minds that came up with these beautiful pieces of work. It can be found right here and right now. And even though this building doesn't look quite like those, nonetheless, God is here. We are to take full advantage of this time. But how do we do this? Sabbath is not a day off. It's not a day to shop or catch up with our to-do list or watch our favorite show, sports, game. We know how to do all those things. We're actually quite good at all those things. And they in and of themselves, really probably aren't even bad. But they can wear us out if you've ever cheered for the wrong team. (laughs) What we need, we need is rest. Don't let us ever confuse relaxation for restoration. You see, it's both a command and a gift Remember it. And I have given you the Sabbath. Is it important? Well, 37% of the fourth commandment, or the fourth commandment is 37% of all the words and all 10 of them. So it's a pretty good chunk. We're talking about practices. 
this is a practice. And it's interesting. The other commands tell us kind of what to do. This one's a practice. How do we practice this? And of all the things he could have said, he didn't say, I command you to pray. Or I command you to read the scripture. But he did say the Sabbath. Why? Well, he even told us to remember it because he knew we would forget it. And many a person asked, was it binding in the New Testament? There's no command from Jesus. There's no command from Paul. So do we have to do it? And the prevailing thought is we don't, but I would probably go against that thought and say, no, there's a reason he told us to remember it. Jesus never broke the Sabbath. Oh, he broke it the way the Pharisees saw it, but he himself never did. He saw it bigger and more amazing than the Pharisees did. It is a memorial of creation. In six days he created, and then he tells us to remember it. Today in this world where we believe nature just somehow spontaneously occurred, he says, remember. He is the creator. This world is not a, the offering of blind chance. It is the creation of a brilliant mind. Remember, life is a gift. And we owe it to ourselves and God to enjoy it by giving our worship to the one who made it. Each Friday as we prepare, remember, we are all different. Something I said, I'm sure. I'm going to read, I'm going to start a verse. You're going to help me finish it, okay? It's one of the most quoted verses in all of Scripture. It's found in Proverbs. And before we show you the slide on how I want you to remember it, we're going to go ahead and start this, okay? Train up a child. It may be one of the most abused verses ever in all of Scripture. We sometimes wonder why we don't have more young people within church. Maybe we train them to not be here. Let's read it again, the way it probably should have been read the first time. Train up a child in his own way. He's bent a certain way. And you may say, ah, you're kind of jumping to conclusions. I like the way I read it in the King James, and I really like the way it goes, and it sounds, and it flows off my tongue. And man, I like making sure my kids all do what they're supposed to do. Let's try this idea on you. Here it is. You've probably heard it the way I've heard it, or at least kind of a facsimile of this. I don't know how it happened that one of my kids turned out right, and the other one, oh, it didn't work at all. Because you know, my wife and I trained them exactly the same way.
They were in the same house. How could they go so far off? Let's read Proverbs 22.6 again, Caleb. We'll do that. 22.6. Train up a child in his own way. The way they're bent. Can I take you to a bike trip? I know we've done this before. For some of you, you may not know. Um, Sherry and I just finished. We rode coast to coast. We even have a map. We went from one side of the country to the other side of the country. We had the same trip, did we not? <laughs> no. So I'm going to share some ideas of preparation from our trip. You connect the dots however you want to, okay? You see how this might sound and resonate as you prepare for Sabbath. To ensure we had the best journey possible, we prepared. In fact, we prepared for an entire year before we took the journey. And we really weren't sure what we were getting ourselves into, so we read. We read everything we could on it. You might want to read as much as you can about Sabbath. We prepared. Boy, we had stuff and stuff and more stuff. We had all this cool stuff. We had stuff. We bought all sorts of stuff because we needed to be prepared. You may prepare too for some things. You may buy too much like we did. Our first couple of trips, we pulled a trailer. I think I got a picture of the trailer. Maybe a couple pictures of the trailer. We pulled a trailer. Had to have a trailer. You know, because, you know, people have trailers. See, so that's to carry all of our stuff. We needed stuff. You may go into your Sabbath days with a lot of stuff. We had stuff on our trip. You know, we took chairs. There's chairs in that with all that stuff. And there's a solar panel and there's water filters and there's clothes. We had lots of clothes and we had some more clothes. We have water. You can see all the water. We just had a lot of stuff. A couple years later, we didn't have a trailer. Because you see, we had to carry all of that stuff over mountains. Even the hills sometimes felt like mountains. Sometimes maybe there's mornings where all that stuff we carry feels like a mountain. And what we learned was that each of us were best at certain things. I was a little bit better at setting up a tent. Sherry was much better at organizing and figuring out what stuff went where. And you know, we left most of our clothes home. Whatever we wore today, we washed that night. And then we set our clothes out for tomorrow so we didn't have to dig through anything in the dark of the morning hours when we left. That was all set out. It was all prepared. We put it all out. We had all of our breakfast all set out so we knew where we would grab it first thing in the morning. We were prepared. We took our tent down a certain way, rolled things up a certain way. We had one side Mark's side and one side Cherry's side. We had certain things in the back, certain things in the front. Not because we had to be prepared. We didn't have to do any of that. We've been with some people that don't do any of that. Their stuff's everywhere. Everywhere. Sometimes their stuff's in our stuff. It's everywhere. 
but it made it easier for us. Do you know that we changed a lot? Please hear this. In preparing, we changed a lot. I don't know what your Sabbaths are like and what your kids think about it, but we changed a lot so that it worked. We did different things for different ones of us. Some days we changed it a little bit for me. Some days we changed a little bit for Sherry. Usually it was for me. But, you know, we would adjust things. It made it simpler. Why did we go through all this? Well, of course, it was to get to the other side. We're on this journey together. You would think, as close as we are, we experienced the same journey. We were going the same direction. If you can see, we're stuck together. Our pedals go the same speed. They go the same way. Do you know if you ask her and you ask me, we had very different journeys. But they were very, very special to each of us. As you prepare to enter into Sabbath, realize that you may all be going the same way. You may have very different journeys. Your kids are going to have different journeys. Your spouse may have a different journey. Your friends, those in your group. Appreciate that journey. Celebrate it. Be excited for it. Learn from it. It's a gift. We should expect that it will be different and unique. He didn't make us all the same. So as each of us enter into his restoration, may our silence or our shouts May our heads bowed or our hands raised. May the tears that flow down or the feet that dance. May they all be a celebration and a yearning to know more about our Creator God. So years ago, I ran into a couple. They were a Jewish Beautiful, beautiful couple. They learned to come and love the Savior. And as we talked, we talked about the Sabbath. They talked about their family roots and their traditions. Saturday night was quite an evening. They said they would dance. Whole family, whole community would dance. And as the sun would come up, tears would flow. Because Sabbath was finally kind of officially over. And then smiles would lighten each face. It was only five days until they could prepare again. May we prepare. May we dance the night away as we prepare to meet the king. Let us pray. Lord, your grace holds us now. May that grace encompass us richly as we encompass the world around us that is tired, that needs rest, May each of us introduce someone to you, the restorer of our souls. May we come back and share that story. So keep us to that end, we pray in your name. Amen.
Sabbath. 